0: So if you, if you want to turn to Acts chapter two, I, I, I don't like the saying a lot of people use, if you have your Bibles, if you come to a Bible class or a Jesus class and you don't have your Bible with you, you <laughs> we, then we need to address the first thing, which is bring your Bible. <laughs> and, and in today's, uh, uh, today's reality, you can bring a Bible, uh, just about any way from uh, from the paper Bible to computer Bible to a iPad to a phone, as Ethan just showed us. So so there's, you, you know, pretty much any way to we to for us to bring a Bible. And so we're going to start in Acts chapter two. And we're going to move on through a number of scriptures here. And uh, we will start with verse one. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing, mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set up on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews devout men out of every nation under heaven. One of the notes I wrote here, I just wrote a note, just going to throw this out there. Filled with the sacred breath or breath of God, Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit. The word for spirit can be interpreted as breath. So they were filled with the holy breath. Not just a breath, but the holy breath of God. So we have here the day of Pentecost and I want to really emphasize tonight and this may be where most of the emphasis is at, we'll see, when the day of Pentecost was fully come. Now there have been many days of Pentecost. The Israelites have been doing Pentecost for most of their existence at least from the time that they came out of Egypt into the promised land, they were doing Pentecost. But Pentecost in all that time had never fully come. You know, it come year in, year out, but it didn't fully come. And that word full means to feel completely, to complete entirely, be fulfilled of time. So here, on this day of Pentecost, it fully come, and it was at a very specific time. And this is, I, I, I want to take my time here, and kind of set this before you, that at a very specific time, Pentecost came to its completion. It couldn't come to a completion until Passover had come. Until Passover had, had fully come, Pentecost couldn't fully come. Because it followed the Passover, which we're going to look at in the scripture. But I want to point out a couple things. Uh, this is not the first time in your Bible that something had come, or fully come, or come at its appointed time. So the Bible deals in a number of times of appointed times. And I believe there was nothing going to stop Pentecost from coming right here because it was appointed of the Father to come at this specific time. So it was going to come. Galatians 4, verse 4, says, but when the fullness Of the time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, an heir of God through Christ, how be it then, when you knew not God, you did service unto them, which by nature are no gods. But now, after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto you desire again to be in bondage? You observe days and months and times and years, I am afraid of you lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. Now Paul, I had to turn heat off, I'm sorry. Paul tells them, he sets forth the fullness of time come in the person of Christ. That when Christ come, the fullness of a time, it's like this time had come to its complete purpose. So all the time of the law and prophets had come to their purpose, when he come, born of a woman, made of a woman, made under a law, under the law, and John came as, and Jesus called the apostle, uh, or not the apostle, the prophet John, the greatest of the prophets, or the chiefest of the prophets, and and sometimes we look at that and we say, well, what made John so much greater? Than, than say Moses, because if you if you read your Bible, <laughs> you got a very little bit of Bible about John, and you got a whole lot of Bible about Moses. So why is John greater than Moses? And and here's my reasoning to that: is that he was the forerunner of Christ. That what made him greater was his purpose. That he that he was handing off, so to speak the keys of the kingdom to the Lord, that all of this time they have been ministered through the law and the prophets, but now the great prophet himself, the Lord himself, born of a woman made under the law, had come, and we've been dealing with this for weeks. He come to die the death of the cross. He come to bring a people out of bondage, but he came under the law to redeem them that were under the law, to bring them unto himself. Now, Paul tells the Galatians here he's afraid of. And why I believe he's saying that is rather than them seeing the day that had come in Christ. And this is alarming because many of God's dear people are here now. Instead of seeing the day that has come in Christ, instead of seeing Christ as the fulfillment of all things, they, they were going back to Sabbath days, to new moons, to, to the ordinances under the law to try to become close to God. That's what I believe Paul is saying here. And he says, I'm afraid of you. You turn to weak and beggarly elements and see these elements could never bring us into the relationship that we've come into in Christ Jesus the Lord. So we don't observe those days. Now we read of those days, but we find their fulfillment in Christ Jesus. And that's what we're going to begin to look at in Pentecost of how he fulfills that day. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God, because he is the fulfillment of all things. So so I wanted to point this out. And I wanted to point out how the Lord sets forth in the Word days and times. And in Daniel 9, for example, we're, we're going to read in Daniel 9, and I, and I wrote another note, so I'm going to read this note. Jesus came when the time came. I believe if we would give ourselves to understanding the times declared in Daniel, Jeremiah, and the other prophets that we would see Jesus came according to the appointed time in the scripture. There is a natural timeline in the Bible that is according to his coming. That's his first coming. That is why Herod had the babies killed at two years and below. These magi or wise men had some understanding of the dates. And as they studied this out, it may be the reason they didn't return to Herod. They simply probably became believers in the Christ. We know they had a dream, and didn't go back to Herod. We're going to read that in a minute. But there are specific timelines in the Bible, and so at the appointed time Jesus came. Now, what does this have to do with Pentecost? We'll get to that. It came at an appointed time. That's that's the point I'm making. Daniel nine twenty. While I was speaking with. While I was speaking, praying, confessing my sin and that of my people Israel and presenting my petition before the Lord my God concerning his holy mountain. While I was still praying, Gabriel, the man I had seen in the earlier vision, came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. Now, he came at a specific time too. The time of the evening sacrifice. Just pointing this out. He instructed me and spoke with me saying, oh, Daniel, I've come now to give you insight and understanding at the beginning of your petitions. An answer went out and I have come to tell you for your highly precious. So consider the message and understand the vision. 70 weeks or 77s are decreed for your people and your holy city to stop their transgression, to put an end to sin, to make atonement for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision in the prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place or the most holy. Know and understand this from the issuance of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the Prince. There will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. It will be rebuilt with straits in a trench, but in times of distress, then after the 62 weeks, the Messiah will be cut off and will have nothing. So here we have a timeline in the book of Daniel. All right. And the book of Daniel is dealing with seven sevens or 77s and searching it out. I believe you'll find out it's 490 years. So he's dealing with a period of 490 years and and somehow God's people have the 490 years. They ha- some of them have it coming to the cross as part of it, and then they have the second part of that last week of years because it's a it's a it's a week of years. 70, I believe it's 70 times seven weeks of week of years or seven years, and so they'll have half of it complete at the cross of the last week, and then they'll tell you the other three and a half years are yet to come. And I believe, in reality, uh, I, I didn't intend to go through all this. And I don't have it all set before me. But I believe when, when there, when Stephen was stoned, and they turned to the Gentiles after that, that that was the fulfillment of those weeks when the when the gospel began to be proclaimed out to the Gentiles. That the fulfillment of all the weeks had come. It had all been done. At least that's what I, I believe, all right? So, so I don't think we're waiting on any of these weeks to be fulfilled. I think they're all fulfilled, and Jesus was cut off in the middle of the week. In three and a half years of, the, of a seven-year time span, he was cut off, crucified, dead and buried, and rose from the dead, and he fulfilled all righteousness, he brought in everlasting righteousness. He brought an end to sin. In fact, there's no more offering for sin. So, so for brothers and sisters to teach you that some that something Jesus has already done has to be done. Because I looked at one of these timelines earlier where there where somebody was saying, if I understood them right, that's not even been done. And I'm like, want to say to them then, what did Jesus do? If we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus right now, then he completed that part of Daniel's prophecy. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. And I don't believe there's any parts of this left to go. Like a lot of people build the timelines and tell you all this has to come. And we we as believers should understand the time so that we can direct Christians to the Bible, and be able to show them in the Scripture. Show them in the Scripture the timeline. Now, what we're going to get into, some of what we're going to get into tonight, while you make and show them a time, you can't show them the reality of it until the Spirit of God comes. But but while you may be able to point out the natural time, the reality of Pentecost comes by the spirit, and that's where we're going. But in Matthew 2, verse 1, and I and I, I just found this interesting because we're right at, at Christmas time, and a lot of people are thinking upon Matthew, the first couple chapters. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Magi, King James says wise men, magicians, magi. From the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him, gathering together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people. He inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So, so then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child, and when you found him, report to me so that I too may come and worship him. After hearing the king, they went their way, and, and the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until they came and stood over the place where the child was. <laughs> I won't point this out the Magi didn't come to the manger. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary's mother, and they fell to the ground and worshiped him. Then, opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold. Frankincense and myrrh, at least according to this, it doesn't look like they showed up at the manger with the shepherds. It looks like two separate instances. And so, so if you notice what Herod did, he sought out wise men, and it looks like he also went to chief priests and scribes of the people to understand when. Messiah was coming. And so these wise men and these scribes and chief priests had to understand a little bit, I believe, of Daniel's timeline. So I believe they were looking at the prophets to understand the time, you know, the 49 weeks or the 490 years that they were understanding this was the time for him to come or the vicinity of it. And that's why Herod had the babies killed from two years or below, because he wanted to destroy the heir, right? Because Messiah was prophesied as being the king. Well, if he's King Herod, Herod's got a problem, right? Because the king had come, and he wanted to destroy the heir. And see see that? that spirit of death has been in the world for years and years. You can actually come back and see it in Egypt, back with Moses. When, when the babes there were uh, killed in the days of Moses, it was the same spirit, right? So, so this thing has been in the earth for years and years and years. So here Jesus comes. And Jesus is born of a woman, born under the law, at the fullness of the time. So at the appointed time of God, he come. And he, and he didn't come no sooner, and he didn't come any later. He come when the time was fulfilled. You know, and, and part of the time that was fulfilled with it was this prophecy in Daniel that the Messiah would come forth. So he had to come forth according to the word of God, and now everything said in the word of God pertaining to him had to be fulfilled. It all had to be done, completed. So now to just turn back on Pentecost to the book of Leviticus 23, Leviticus 23, 15. It says, you shall also count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath, from the day when you brought in the sheaf of the wave offering, there shall be seven complete Sabbaths. That's seven weeks. You shall count 50 days to the day of the seventh Sabbath. Then you shall present a new grain offering to the Lord. You you shall bring in from your dwelling places two loaves of bread for a wave offering made of two tenths of an ephah. They shall be of a fine flour baked with leaven. Notice this. And in the coming weeks, we will most likely get into this. But notice this, how that under Passover, they ate unleavened bread. Here, they were told to to bake this bread, baked with leaven, as first fruits to the Lord. and Just kind of <clears throat> give you what I believe the answer to this is, is the unleavened bread was dealing with Christ himself. Now we are joined to the Lord. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. And Pentecost is dealing with the joining, I'm not talking about sin because he took care of sin. But but Pentecost is talking about the joining of Christ to his people. Okay. That's what Pentecost is talking about. Because Jesus fully, I believe himself, fulfilled Passover. He fully died. He fully was buried. He fully raised from the dead without anybody. So, so, but Pentecost is when a group of people became joined to what the Lord had done. And I think we'll see this in Acts 2 because they begin, Peter begins to declare what the Lord had done out of the book of Joel. So anyway, along with the bread, you shall present seven one-year-old male lambs without defect, And a bull of the herd and two rams, they are to be a burnt offering to the Lord with their grain offering and their drink offerings. An offering by fire of a soothing soothing aroma to the Lord. You shall also offer one male goat for a sin offering and two male lambs one year old for a sacrifice of peace offerings. The priest shall then wave them with the bread of the first fruits of a wave offering with two lambs before the Lord They are to be holy to the Lord for the priest. On the same day you shall make a proclamation as well. You are to have a holy convocation. You shall do no laborious work. It is to be a perpetual statue in all your dwelling places throughout your generations. When you reap the harvest of your land, moreover, you shall not reap to the very corners of the field nor gather the gleaning of your harvest, you are to leave them for the needy and the alien. I am the Lord your God. So here we go. That Pentecost is 50 days after Passover. So you have the Passover and you have seven sevens and you come to Pentecost. 49 days plus one, that's 50. And simply, what does Pentecost mean? 50. So that's what it means. So the Israelites arrive at Mount Sinai. In Exodus 19, it says, In the third month after the sons of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that very day came they into the wilderness of Sinai. Now, some translations may say on the first day, but, I, but I'm not so sure that that's correct. It was, it was in the third month that they came to Sinai. Somewhere in the third month, when they set out from Rephidim, they came to the wilderness of Sinai and camped in the wilderness. And there Israel camped in front of the mountain. Now, Sinai is the mountain of God. So they come to the mountain of God. And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the sons of Israel, You yourself have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine. So here he's bringing, he's brought this people out, And now they're becoming what? His own people. And you shall be to me, verse 6, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the sons of Israel. So Moses came and called all the elders of the people and set before them all these words which the Lord had commanded him. All the people answered together and said, in other words, they were in one mind and one accord. What does it say they're in on the day of Pentecost? one mind, and one accord. So all the people here says to Moses, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. So here you have one mind and one accord, so to speak. And Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. The, then the Lord, the Lord said to Moses, behold, I will come to you in a thick cloud so that the people may hear when I speak with you and may also believe in you forever then Moses told the words of the people to the Lord the Lord also said to Moses go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their garments and let them be ready for the third day for on the third day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people now to me This is Pentecost. The Lord will come down in the sight of all the people. So here, God has brought a people to this mountain. He's brought a people out to himself. And here at this mountain, Moses is going to receive the word of covenant. He's going to receive the law. And he's going to declare it amongst the people. And I don't have the scripture in front of me, but it's in Isaiah, I quoted it a week or two ago, how the Lord spoke of Christ and he said that he's given him for a covenant to the people. And see what Peter declares on the day of Pentecost is Christ. See, see, he declares the word of covenant on the day of Pentecost. He declares Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's what he declares. And we're going to get over there in, in the book of back into the book of Acts, but just before we do, kind of picture this. Jesus was three days in death, burial, and resurrection. He was 40 days with his disciples. And if you count that up, that'd be 43 days. And then, then you could possibly say there was a week, seven days in between. I know a lot of people say it's 40 and then 10, but maybe this is this is something to check out. See what's more accurate. But he was three days, death, burial, and resurrection, then the 40 days, I believe, after his resurrection, he is with his disciples, and then he ascended. And a lot of people say 10 days later. I'm not so sure That's not seven days later dealing with the completion. Seven's always dealing with completion. The Holy Ghost came. So 50 days after his death, burial, and resurrection, the day of Pentecost fully come. See, it was no longer a type and shadow. It was no longer pointing to something else. Now what Pentecost had been pointing to had come and it filled the house. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. The Spirit of God came and filled the house and the house he filled was the 120 that were gathered together in one mind and one accord and they began to declare by the Spirit of God, the great works of God. Now, I believe they speak in unknown tongues. I speak in unknown tongues. I believe that with all my heart. But as as I'm searching this out and looking at the unknown tongue, part, at least to me, believes the reason why we speak in unknown tongues is even in our natural language, we're going to speak out of the Spirit. That, 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 that we're, we're even our natural language. Sometimes we can sit with people in the natural and share what God has shown us. And it's as if it's an unknown tongue to them. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but they'll look at you like you got something on your growing out of your ears. Because of what you're declaring the Lord to be saying to you. And that tongue, that, that declaration, is only revealed by the Spirit, much like the tongues that we, we who receive the Spirit get. We, we receive these tongues of fire, and they're only received of the Spirit of God, and the word that we declare of the Spirit of God is only learned of the Spirit of God. And what a lot of people that speak in unknown tongues have missed is the word that came out on the day of Pentecost. They they what they read the day of Pentecost come. I grew up in Pentecost, Pentecostals. <laughs> and, and there was a lot of teaching on the day of Pentecost, but I don't know, it, it, looking back at my youth, I don't know if any one of the teachings I said in men ever referred back to the feast. It all referred to the Holy Ghost baptism and speaking an unknown tongue. Well, the reason there were so many people in Jerusalem was they had come for the feast. They were there for the feast of Pentecost. So now the feast of Pentecost had fully come in that God poured out his spirit, hallelujah and those 120 were filled with it glory to God and so acts 2:14 peter tells them but peter taking his stand with the 11 raised his voice and declared to them you men of judah and all you who live in jerusalem let this be known to you and give heed to my words for these men are not drunk as you suppose for it is only the third hour of the day but this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel, and it shall be in the last days. Well, here's here's what most Christians don't believe. That was the last days. But Peter, Peter said, this is that spoken by Joel, that it shall be in the last days. And I'm sure in one of these we'll get into this, but the last day of that old covenant, to me, was when Jesus hung on the cross, died, was buried, and raised from the dead. So that covenant, I believe, according to God, was done right there. There was no more offering for sin ever going to come again because he did one final offering and it was done. But here on the day of Pentecost, the reason it says last days are those days that are there on the day of Pentecost, they're now being connected by the Spirit to what Jesus did at the end of the world. Once at the end of the world, he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. So when that age come to its end, Jesus came to put away sin by offering up himself himself and now here, these brothers are seeing at the, at, at the last days, because now they're being connected to, to not what all is going on. I mean, all that's going on there is going on, but they're now being connected to what Jesus has done. And this is by the Spirit of God. I mean, these brothers had walked with Jesus, but now the Holy Ghost has come, and the Holy Ghost is connecting them with what he's done And just like Jesus said, he shall take of mine, he shall take of me, and reveal it. He shall reveal his death, his burial, his resurrection, his glorification, his fullness. And and so Peter goes on, and for time's sake, let let me move on here. And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth of my Spirit on all mankind, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my bondservants, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my spirit, and they shall prophesy, and I will grant wonders in the sky above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood, before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come, and it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. There's a new covenant. In the old covenant, that wasn't what it was. The old covenant, they brought a lamb sacrifice or they brought a ram sacrifice. But it shall be that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now listen to Peter. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs. So see, he said before the... The great and glorious day of the Lord comes. There will be signs. Look, Listen what Peter says. Jesus the Nazarene, a man tested you of God with miracles, wonders, and signs, which God performed through him in your midst. Just as you yourselves know, this man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God. His predetermined plan and foreknowledge. You nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in his power. For David says of him, I saw the Lord always in my presence, for he is at my right hand, so that I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue exulted. Moreover, my flesh also will live in hope, because you will not abandon my soul to Hades nor allow your Holy One to undergo decay. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brethren, I may confidently say to you regarding the, regarding the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. And so because he was a prophet and knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to seat one of his descendants on his throne— he looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of Christ, that he was neither abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh suffer decay. This Jesus God raised up again to which we are all witnesses. This is what they, they weren't just witnesses that they saw him on the cross. They were now witnesses of the Holy Spirit, that they had received the Spirit that Jesus told them he was going to baptize them in, glory to God. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth this which you now see and hear. For it was not David who ascended into heaven, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord in Christ, this Jesus whom you've crucified. Now, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? Well, here's the answer they gave. Them. <laughs> Peter said to them, repent and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. I believe he's saying here, you repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and you're going to receive the day of Pentecost. The, the the Holy Spirit's coming is the day. That's the significance of the day. Just like when we go back to Exodus, God came down. God told him, After three days, I'm coming down. Well, after three days, after the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, He came down. <laughs> And he filled his house. And they begin to declare Jesus Christ. They begin to declare the covenant of the Lord. They begin to declare, just just, just like Moses did in Type and Shadow, Moses began to declare the law. These brothers begin to declare the word of covenant himself. He that had fulfilled the law and the prophets, Jesus Christ christ the lord hallelujah see we can read the ten commandments and say in our hearts well i'm gonna i'm gonna live right i'm gonna keep all ten commandments we, we can do that i'm gonna love everybody <laughs> and almost before we get the words out of our mouth sometimes We're we're the opposite of the words we're speaking because the love of God is shed, how? Abroad, how? In our hearts. I think we could say, we say by the Holy Ghost. I think you said by the day of Pentecost. (laughs) By this day of the Spirit. Hallelujah to the Lamb of the living God. I believe, honey, this is Pentecost, the day of the Spirit. And I'm concerned that we've missed a lot of Pentecost. I I believe in shouting. I believe in speaking in tongues. I believe in miracles, signs, and wonders. I believe all that's real. But the day of Pentecost is the Spirit had come and joined a people to himself. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. So here in this day, God gave birth to a church. They were joined to him, his body, for the fruit of the harvest of the seed for the fullness. Where we're we're headed to in looking at these feasts, the fruit of the harvest of the seed, the feast of tabernacles. Hallelujah. That's the point of being joined to the Lord, is to bear his fruit. And we begin to see, hear, and know by the Spirit of God. That's what the Spirit of God, that's why Jesus said he's going to come. He's going to bring all things to what? Your remembrance. So to our thinking, to our understanding, he's bringing all things in regards to Jesus' work to us, that we would dwell in everything Christ has done. That's what he's doing. Well, I'll stop right here tonight. We'll pick back up in this next week, and I'll start with you, Brother Dale Graham.